Yo, welcome to another episode of Press Play with Augie and Riz. I'm Augie. Hey, and I'm Riz. This is a weekly podcast where we, two guys who have been listening to a lot of Fiona Apple lately, talk about movies, TV, music, or anything we think you guys might like to listen to. Subscribe to our podcast and follow us on Instagram at Press Play AR. That's Press Play AR on Instagram. The Apple Saga concludes in this week's episode as we are delighted to talk about Fiona Apple's fifth album, Fetch the Bolt Cutters. Riz will let you know about the DVDs and music that are available now. And this episode, like all the others, come with six degrees of separation and our fact of the week. But first, quick news. So recently, San Diego Comic-Con has put out that they are deeply saddened that they have to cancel uh, San Diego Comic-Con, to be precise. Uh, Yeah, I think it's the first first time they aren't doing it in 30 years, which kind of sucks. 51 years? I recently read that. Comic-Con's been going on for 51 years? Specifically San Diego Comic-Con, yes. I am shocked. Yeah, they're scheduled to uh, July 2021, and they told anybody who bought badges for this year they could either be refunded or they can move that to next year's uh, Comic-Con if they like, which is pretty cool because, or pretty good, because 2021 is is starting all this fourth phase of the MCU, and there's not a lot of going on in movie right now. So maybe that will be an awesome time to introduce uh, the MCU's next stage. Maybe Fantastic Four, maybe X-Men. No. Um, <laughs> I know, but it I is know. what it is. I know it's coming, but I'm not happy about it. Yeah. Um. So I, I'm kind of bummed. I, I feel like they could have done, done something. You know, everyone's doing stay-at-home stuff. Do like stupid interviews, not stupid interviews, but interviews online or something with with people, or premiere trailers online, or or making an event for everyone to go because Comic Con is such like uh, an elite thing. Like you, it, the tickets are crazy. We saw that episode of Big Bang where it was like impossible for yeah. them to get, and big you know Big Bang never lies to us. No, never. Um. It, I feel very left out. I mean, I, I love going to our local Supercon, um, which at this point has not been canceled. It's just been postponed. Yeah. Uh, we'll see. It, it sucks that it's the first time in 51 years, um, but it has to happen. Yeah, in order for, for all this to, to go away. I mean, it's the only and the smartest thing to do. Um, and hopefully next year that it'll be it'll be like a huge blast. Um, but yeah, Robert Egger is a director of two of my favorite movies. One of them is The Witch, and the other one is um not Hereditary. Uh oh, is it The Lighthouse? Yes, The Lighthouse, starring uh Robert Pattinson and Willem Dafoe. He's working on his third film, which is a Viking revenge movie. And it is such a grand scale that he talked about that in a recent interview where he says that how he's used to the small scale sets from The Witch and The Lighthouse uh, that he had to change his whole pre-setup for movies completely as this movie is taking place in different locations far across uh, the globe. Uh, the film is starring Anya Taylor-Joy, Alexander Skarsgård, Nicole Kidman, and William DeVoe. Uh, and it's just been a challenge for him, but he says that he has been moving forward steadily because uh, there is a lot to do. There is uh, armor work to be done, uh, props and stuff, So, which gives me a bit of like a happiness how there is still jobs going on and, and production still going on. Giving oh, yeah. these people jobs. Um, what, which, a great, what a great cast, by the way. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. William so, Defoe and Alexander Skarsgård. I'm sorry, Nicole Kidman and Alexander Skarsgård. Uh, they're both in that show you just watched, uh, Big Little Lies. You just started watching, right? Yes, and Nicole Kidman and William Defoe worked together in Aquaman. That's right. That's mm-hmm. right. 
Okay. And Anya Tiller Joy is in the never before seen movie of freaking New Mutants. Well, it's, <laughs> it's coming. Hopefully. Possibly Disney Plus. Unfortunately. So, I'm really excited. I love what Robert Egger does. Uh, I think he's a brilliant uh, director. You were absolutely thrilled with The Lighthouse. I think it was your favorite movie, too, right? I think you wanted to watch it like a second time. Let's move on. <laughs> Uh, so this is uh, day 300 uh, to the square power uh, days of our quarantine. It sure feels like it. Um, but we don't need to... Like, we're, we're going a little crazy, but we don't need to go protesting because we can't get a haircut. Come on. Don't be, don't be those people. <laughs> don't be those people. You're, yeah. you're, you're literally spreading it among, amongst yourselves, which, you know... If I was a cynical, evil person, I'd be like, good, but no. I don't want to see you die, even even if you're stupid. Don't don't go outside. Don't go protest with large groups of people because you can't get a fucking haircut. And don't go to the beach. Who no, goes to the beach? I can't. I can't. Like, who who opened the fucking beaches in Jacksonville? And then all of a sudden, there's huge crowds. Don't, don't get it started again. We went to the store uh, to buy your lotto. And that lady was right behind us. And she wasn't doing, like, social distancing. No, she was right there. She was, like, right behind us. And I'm like, lady, like, please, these are not the times to be invading people's personal spaces. We actually talked a little bit about that in um, this interview. We were interviewed for a podcast, the LGBT chat podcast, uh, which was very cool. We were very honored to be asked. It was created by Ada and hosted by Ada and Angel. Very cool people. I think they're from from New York. Very cool. Uh, yeah, uh, we chat a lot. We chat a lot about Miami, about our podcast, and about the fucking beaches that they were open because yeah. she, they mentioned they're like, hey, we heard about your floor, your Florida beaches. Are you guys for real about that? And unfortunately, yes, my, our states are for real about that. It's crazy. Um, but uh, it was again honored to be with. With the LGBT chat podcast uh, crew, they're yeah. very sweet, very, we have to very have, humble. You have to have, have Ada on. It was very cool. And again, we were honored to be asked, and we're looking forward to at some point having having them. You know, hopefully, come on our podcast as well. Yeah, and you know, they talked about their social distancing and how they're going through, and we talked about some shows that they should check out, some movies they should check out as well. And if you guys need to check out their podcast, it's the LGBT Chat Podcast. They're probably on every streaming podcast platform as we are. Yeah, we'll 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 put a link on Instagram. Yep. It's very cool. We also want to thank uh, the first responders for always being the front line and taking care of everyone from nurses to doctors to firefighters, paramedics. We really appreciate what you guys are doing. Supermarket employees, we have a lot of respect for you. Yeah, my cousin uh, Dorian and my sister-in-law Barbara both work in, in medical fields, and I know that they are working more than overtime, I'm sure, you know, to help us, you um, know, so to, to keep us safe so we don't get sick. Yeah, and we can't wait to see you guys to eat, give you a hug and to to tell you in person how much we we appreciate you guys. Yes, um, and those out there that continue to protect and to serve our community. And talking about communities, we want to talk about two small business that has helped us through this quarantine. I just want to put a little asterisk that this is not sponsored. They're not sponsoring our our podcast. We just really like them a lot. Uh, Pizza Fiore. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are our local pizza pasta shop. We are obsessed. We're I'm so happy that we found them because we were going like out of our way to like uh, other chain restaurants yeah. and waiting 85 minutes to get a table. Uh, like that that story you had with Mother's Day that you had to go like two hours. Well, that was Mother's Day. <laughs> I had to put our, our our name in two hours early or a few hours early. That was uh, it was interesting. That yeah. probably won't happen again. I hope. But Pizza Fiore uh, is a Miami really Shores. delicious 
really delicious Italian restaurant in Miami Shores. They have really good pasta, really good pizza. Their staff is super nice. Uh, we've sat there so many times before this outbreak happened. We have our table. We always <laughs> we always table. sit there. Yeah, and they're always so welcoming for you to eat in their in their restaurant. And since uh, the pandemic started, they have been delivering, or we have been going to pick pick up their food, and they never fail. It's always just good, good food and fresh and and super tasty. Yeah, and they've been throwing in uh, uh, free free garlic rolls yeah. for being, you know, loyal customers and stuff like that. Um, uh, if you ever, if you're ever in town and go there, I think they have another location in Miami beach, yeah. uh, which we should try someday. Just, 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 just because, mm-hmm. um, I'm obsessed with their, the, the penne Venice, yes. which is like penne pasta with like a vodka sauce and mm. ham and I, and Sweet tomatoes, sun dried, sun dried tomatoes. Yum! Oh my god, it is the bomb. Yeah, it's so good. I usually get their eggplant parmesan or their other eggplant pasta dish. I can't think about it. Think of it right now. But if you're ever in the Miami Shores area or in their Miami Beach location, check out Pizza Fiore. Their, uh, their pizza, their actual pizza, is really good as well. Yeah, that, that's our go-to place lately. Very yeah. New York style type pizza yeah and the next uh other restaurant that we have is iron sushi yeah iron sushi is such a delicious delicious and local place to to eat it is it is a chain restaurant but you know you it's locally owned so i i do like to find like more local stuff but they're always friendly and they're very professional and uh Everything comes out amazing. Yeah, everything that they do, it it does come out super delicious and and fresh. We um, did find that buffet um, oh that we're obsessed with, which we will get the name and talk about in a future podcast. We we literally went there and found it right before the shutdown, and then we talked about it with our girlfriends Adele, Charlene, and Brenda, and we sent them pictures. And Charlene's like, "I want to go there for my birthday. I want all of us to hang out there." It's crazy. Cause it's it's the it's the price of a of a, a a normal buffet, but it is five star quality. The presentation quality. is super good. The steak medallions. My mouth is watering, you (laughs) know, amazing. And, and every single piece of sushi was fresh and, uh, I I don't know. It was just a different aesthetic. It wasn't like your, like that buffet. Yes. That buffet, you can see it like in an Orlando universal chain, uh, hotel restaurant, you know? Um, yeah. I, I, the, I forget the name of it. It's on 163rd Street next to Outback. Obviously, it's, it's not a, open. Yeah, and it's literally across the street from Alita. Yeah. Which, that's another thing that we talked about in the in Ada's LGBT chat podcast as well. Alita River Park, which we miss. But uh, anyways, moving on. PS5 is being released this year at the end of the year. But due to the pandemic that is going on, Sony has released that they are launching limited amount of units. Uh, compared to the PS4, uh, they're about to, around 5.6 million units compared to the 7.5 million units that PS4 sold in its first two quarters. Uh, 5.6 million units to be sold by March 2021, to be exact. So is that something you're going to invest in? Uh, Absolutely. Um, I need it. (laughs) Well, uh, of course. You obviously need that. (laughs) I really need that one. Because if not, things are going to not, like well oh okay. whatever anyways uh just a little gaming news for you guys uh hopefully all of us can i guess reserve it some reports are saying that due to the fact that it is being limited release that the price will increase it probably will uh, we, we never talked about uh our our big quarantine purchase we got a nintendo switch yes yes we did which I am enjoying. It's fun. It's it's I 
I was resistant because I'm always for the Mario side by side games, and I saw that Mario was another 3D thing this yeah. time, and I mm-hmm. wasn't uh, um, that impressed with it because I got the Wii and I got the Wii U. Was it Wii U? You have the Wii U. Yeah, um, and those were fantastic systems um, with fantastic games. Uh, but it's very cool. You freaking you can take the controllers out or take the screen out and play it like take it off and play it like like a handheld and it's automatic and and then take the controls out and then it comes with two controls automatically so we can uh, play two uh, players and don't have to invest on buying another remote control I'm very or a remote controller or a game control i'm very impressed with that yeah. um and i've you know i'm a dork i, I i've played a lot of mario and just so in time far. because they have released uh that they're going to remaster a lot of and uh nintendo uh games such as mario n64 and those types of game in that era oh awesome uh yeah I didn't really like Mario 64. I mean, I, I played it. Um, and yeah, it, you got um, Zelda, which you're, you're playing. And I played a little bit and yeah. I got a little confused. Um, and we're playing a lot of like the old school games like Mario 3. Yeah, I am not having the time of my life. He, um, I didn't know how bad I sucked at Super Mario 3. Needs a little practice. <laughs> you, you need a little practice. <gasps> Good lord. You, you guys remember how the map is, and it's a map of M's. I'm, I'm always Mario. And then <laughs> Luigi will win one, but then die, and then swirl back to the beginning of the world. And then I would keep going. And we're only on level two, or world yeah. two. I'm collecting the mushrooms and the and the spades and all that stuff, though. I'm showing him, like, where the whistles are. We're not using them, but the warp whistles. And I'm like, look at this. <laughs> <laughs> this is something you never knew. No, not... And I, I don't... Yeah, because you asked me if I ever owned uh, oh, that's right. a Nintendo or Super Nintendo. I'm like, no, like, me and my sister and my brother, all we did was, like, play in the backyard. And we're out. That's very cool. You know, we didn't get a system until... N64, um, and then after that was the PS2 or 3 with Final Fantasy X, which I'm playing Final Fantasy VII Remake, and I love it, and I think I'm almost done. I think I'm three quarters of the way. I'm really taking my time because I, I'm absolutely enjoying it, and it's super nostalgic. What was the system between... It was the cube between N sixty four and Wii was the cube. GameCube. Right? GameCube. Okay. Yeah. I was having a a because a, 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 I was like going through the history. Um, my older brothers had had an Atari, which I barely remember, and then I remember one Christmas, I think they wrapped because my parents would always wrap our gifts um, each each son in in a certain uh, wrapping paper. Yeah. So I think my brother Nick and my brother Matt had one box that was switched, wrapped with both of them. So one side was was <laughs> Matt's and one side was Nick's, and it was the Nintendo. Oh, I, I remember that. That's Christmas. cool. So then um, I kind of wanted the Super Super Nintendo, but my brother Matt convinced me to get the Sega. For some reason, I don't remember why. Sega had some decent games, such as the Tiny Toons, a Sonic, obvious. Oh, yeah. uh, the Aladdin, the the Disney, the Disney games. Yeah, um, yeah, it was all I got. Had all this, all the Sonic games, not the like offshoots like Sonic Tennis or anything like that, but the actual Sonic mm-hmm. games. Yeah, um, Aaron Aronofsky is a very, very popular and very respected director. He did my favorite movie, right, with the red dress, Requiem for a Dream. Exactly. Yeah. Look, see. So between uh, Joe Schumacher's Batman and Robin, the one with the nipple, oh, and uh, Christopher Nolan's The Dark Knight trilogy, there was an eight-year gap. And in that eight-year gap, uh, Aronofsky had quite a helm for Batman. He was set to uh, direct a Batman movie inspired by Frank Miller's Batman Year One comic. Oh, wow. And the reason why they got him to do that is because he just got off your favorite movie, Requiem for a Dream, and another movie. And it was dark, it was twisted, and the studios thought that, you know, it was kind of cool for him to do this, uh, for to do Batman Year One. And he did it. 
One reason was that he wanted Joaquin and Joaquin. I'm gonna leave it. Joaquin, Joaquin Phoenix, uh, to be Batman during that time, but the studios wanted one actor in mind. Can you guess? For Batman before before the Christian Bale one. Yeah, um, and after uh, Schumacher's Batman and Robin. It, it's not Christian Bale, right? No, no, no. Heath Ledger? No. Uh, no, I don't know. Freddie Prince Jr. Well, and his, then, his career would definitely be different today if he had get, got cut. And cast then in that. Aronofsky said, we are clearly doing two different, completely different <laughs> movies. In fact, he wanted Frank Miller to actually jump in on board and help him with the movie. But it just didn't flourish into uh, uh, fruition, and uh, what could have been a Joaquin Phoenix Batman-led movie was never meant to be. I'm alright with that. Then you have uh, the Christopher Nolan with Christian Bale, and now the Robert Pattinson one, uh, the Batman with Matt Reeves. Hey, we're gonna go take a quick break. We're gonna go fetch the bolt cutters, and we'll be right back. Let me out! Let me out! Fetch the bolt cutters! So holy crap! We mentioned in the last in the last podcast, Fiona decided she was gonna freaking release her album, whether her her record company liked it or not. No singles, no music videos. the The album art wasn't released until like the day before yeah. it, it was released. Holy crap! What a Okay, go. Fiona Apple's new album, Fetch the Bolt Cutters, tells the statement that she is not afraid to speak. Fiona gives us stories that sometimes you gotta say, hold up, now wait a goddamn minute. With her awkward and raw relationship with women, the New York native doesn't hold back about what she has to say. It takes time for good things to flourish. With eight years since her last album and ideas about recording this album going back as far as 2015, we're glad she took her time. Oh, hell yeah. The album has received universal critical acclaim. Metacritic gave it a top score of 100, making it its highest rated non-retrospective album in the website's history. The album was awarded Pitchfork's first perfect score since Kanye West's My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy in 2010. Critics applauded Apple's new album for its idiosyncratic intimacy. And that's because she had the help of her Santa Monica home, her sister Maude, roommate Zelda, and some of their dogs. So, I didn't know Zelda was her roommate. Yeah. I'm like, who the hell is this Zelda Hellman? Yeah. I I have a theory that that's really Fiona Apple, and that's just her screen name. <laughs> no, there's like, really... Oh, in on social media? Yeah. Maybe. And, and like, this Zelda Hellman is just, like, a made-up person. Well, you've seen pictures of Zelda. Have we? Yeah, well, there is pictures of Zelda out there. But it's like you said. I have a theory. Well, okay. Well, <laughs> the album is peculiar in its own ways. One of the quirk of it is that she actually used her Santa Monica home to make this album. Aside from the snare drums, guitars, and uh, other... Um, like piano, tra like, like traditional traditional instruments. instruments you yeah. have these unorthodox sounds that you hear in the background that is from her her house. Anything from pot lids yeah. to a metal butterfly garden. I love it. Decorative. Or her dogs barking. Her dogs uh, barking. Cara Delevingne meowing for some reason. <laughs> yeah. I have a funny story before we like really get into it. Go for it. Uh, I listened to it like first thing Friday morning. And then I decided to go for a run, and I listened to it again, and I was listening to the first song, and I passed by, like, someone's house, and they were doing yard work, but I couldn't see them. Mm -hmm. And I honestly wasn't sure if the banging was from the person doing hard, hard work or, <laughs> or from, or the, from the, the song that I was listening to, because it has household out, uh, um, household items like that. Like, like listen to this. That could be like the beginning of a Fiona Apple song, which um, is extremely unique. And she, 
I, I want to say like completely and totally this is the first time that she's she's been able to, to just sit down and do exactly what she wanted to do with, with her I'm music. I'm glad you said that, yeah. And she says that she completely had utter control of this album from in and outside of her recording booth or her makeshift recording booth because she recorded, I think, in her bedroom, her vocals, um, and outside. Um Funny story is that the reason why you hear sometimes dogs in the album is because she could, she stated in her interview, I guess, in Vulture, that she would be recording a song. And in her mind, she would think, oh my God, this would be great with drumsticks. So she bolts out, grab the drumsticks, go back in and starts, you know, singing with the drumsticks, but would forget to close the door. And you would hear whatever you would hear out there, including dogs barking. So when she played it back, she kind of liked it. And it kind of felt like in her mind, it was like a purposeful mistake. Okay, I get it. Um, so that's why you, you would hear things like that in the background. Um, since the song didn't, or the album doesn't have any any singles... What out of the 13, which is impressive, 13 I love it. songs, I love it. Um, would you think would be a great, great singles for this album? And here's the thing. I have listened to this album five or six times since Friday. Uh, this is Sunday. Yeah. Um, and literally the last three times, I've been trying to listen to it from that perspective. Like, what would be very radio friendly? Mm -hmm. um, and, you know... Radio friendly is relative. Let's be honest. Uh, I think anything new sounding could be radio friendly, but radio friendly is also earwormy. Correct. Uh, I would say the first track, I Want You to Love Me, uh, really stands out as something that could be considered radio friendly. Uh, I know that I think Pitchfork named Cosmonauts the best song like yes. of the week besides the best song on the album. Correct. I think the catchiest song for me is for her, but lyrics uh, probably like she she mentions the c word re re referring to men's penises and being raped. So I don't think that would yeah. that would be radio friendly. Oh God, I love this album. Uh, I could hear ladies on the radio. I could hear. Um, I I, I want to say that it hasn't been announced officially, but "Fetch the Bolt Cutters" is is technically the first single. Um, because she kind of released or is doing sort of like YouTube promotion with it. Okay. I guess. Or then that could just be because it's the title track. I don't know. What about you? What do you think? I, I like you. I listened to the, to the album several, several times since Friday. And I would think that she would be best to start off or it would be best to start off with Cosmonauts as, uh, the first single, for just for the simple fact is that the second half is really rock and rolly. It's really like heavy yeah. guitar, and when she goes start it off and start it off, like I was telling you, that would be amazing to hear in in a concert. Oh my god! Uh, I want you to to love me would be the second one, and Shamika would be the third one. Shamika, Shamika has is like very soulful. Yeah. Um, and the story that you told me behind it was very interesting. Uh, I forgot most of it. Do you want to? Uh, yes. In late our our listeners. Uh, the story of Shamika's uh, song was because she states in a interview, I think again with Vulture, because I completely delved into this album completely, one hundred percent. Like I really wanted to know, like what was, what was she thinking about when making this this album? And the funny thing is, like before you get onto it, that's something that I've never I've never done. Like, I've always, like, listened to music, like, that it was now for me and for me to interpret myself. Like, it would be very rare where, where there would be, like, a weird line and I would go and see. Like, I wanted to see what For Her was about. Mm -hmm. um, but other than that, I just, like, I don't want to read too much. And that's then, you know, there's nothing wrong with the differences. Yeah. But I, I like it to be for me. Understood. I completely understand what you what you meant, and I related a lot to this Shamika song, and I'll tell you after her story. Um, she states that she wasn't entirely sure if Shamika was a real person or a real person in her school because she only had that one interaction with her. 
uh, it was in lunchtime and she saw a group of girls that she wanted to sit with and she did, but the girls were being mean to her and she moved away, but not too far away, close enough to actually still feel included uh, into it. And Shamika comes to her and says, like, why do you try to be their friends? You know, you have so much potential. Hence the chorus. Shamika said, I have potential. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's it. That's all she she remembers from from Shamika. <laughs> and it wasn't until she gave an interview to The New Yorker where she where her school teacher emailed her and said, oh, my God, you mentioned Shamika. And throughout her whole life, she would think of who Shamika really was because she wasn't sure who she was um, and said, who does she grow up to be? Does she grow up to be like friendly or mean or another bully or whatnot? And that was always her her thought about this this person and her teacher emailed a picture of Shamika and it was like this cute she said it was a cute girl with this big smile on her face and it made her feel like closure that she grew up probably to be a good person and to be uh, a great model to the fact that in that picture there was an essay that Shamika wrote and Shamika says that she went to a church to sing. And it was where she realized that she really didn't know how to sing or dance. And they were making fun of her. And she wrote the essay saying they used me. Hmm. And Fiona read that and said, damn, this little girl, this seven-year-old girl, this this preteen. Uh, well, seven-year-old is not preteen. Like knew, yeah, like knew what the fuck was up and what was going mm-hmm. on. Like they were using her for for their laughter. Hence the hunchback of Notre Dame that we we yeah, saw. We just um, and, yeah, it was pretty sad seeing him happy. But I digress. Yeah. So that's that's the story of where Shamika comes from. Uh, and before I read it, uh, I related to it as well because in middle school. I was being picked on. It was lunchtime and there was like this group, like three or four guys that were just picking on me and trying to continually trip me over Hmm. into like this tree. And the tree had like a precipice. Like if I fell down there, I would really get hurt seriously. So out of nowhere, uh, this guy, he was completely tatted up. And at that time, a middle school kid to be like tatted up with, Cuban link chain. You can tell he listens to like Bone Thugs and Harmony and mm-hmm. came and stepped up and defended me and shook these guys off of me and told them, hey, don't fuck with him. Leave him alone. His name was Bruno, in fact. And I'll never, ever forget that till I die because it made me think like, damn, like this guy from like this other culture, from this other way of living and uh came and like saw and defended me and i relate a lot to to shamika with that story a lot wow we didn't mention uh under the table which is a fantastic song i don't know if it would make a single or a good single but it is under the table and relay are amazing under the table is an awesome awesome song and it's a true story for fiona apple uh she states that it was a guy that she was dating and she invited her to he invited her to to dinner that she really didn't want to go. And when they were at dinner, they were kind of bragging and talking about things that shouldn't say. And it got to the point where someone said something really offensive that she felt. And at first, she didn't want to say anything, but then she said, you know what? Fuck it. I wasn't even like I didn't even want to go to to the fucking party. And it's when like you hear lyrics that says, uh, I told you that I didn't want to go to this dinner. You know that it, I didn't want to go to the ones that you bother about. So when you say something that makes me start to simmer, that fancy wine won't put out the fire out. So don't mm. 
you can kick me under the table all you want. I, I won't, won't shut up. up. I won't shut up. And that's the, that's where that story, you know, comes. And I, you know, I it's awesome. <laughs> She's always super deep. Yeah. Uh, relay. Uh, just just the. Holy crap! It's again super deep. The, the lyrics go: "Evil is a relay sport when the ones who's burnt turns to pass the torch." Yeah, like that's such a simple thing, but holy crap, it's so god darn deep. And the funny thing is, she wrote that at fifteen. Well, I I hundred percent believe it. She, you know, what title came out when she was seventeen? Yeah, she was always a very poetic person. Shamika was correct; she'd have potential. Yeah, and absolutely, ladies talk about uh, talking to the girls that go out with the scumbags that she's been with. And that's why you hear her saying, ladies, 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 ladies. Like, listen, girl. I like it. I know what's going on. Let me tell you the fucking tea. This is a tea. But it seems like I won't get through to you. So it's going to be a continuing revolving door spitting out amazing girls that could have been, would have been, should have been. Yeah. And it's Excuse it's me. fucking, fucking awesome. I, I like the vibe of ladies. It's, it's yes. almost kind of a little sexual and, and, um... I, I, the first time I heard it, I thought it was, it might be like a lesbianic type song. You know what I mean? I, like, know, I know it isn't, but it's like <laughs> ladies, 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 you know, type thing. Like, I picture her to be like sitting like back in a chair, popping up like uh, a beer and like telling these girls like, this is, this is it. This is what it. I'm going to tell you. Cosmonauts is, an, uh, is a song that really hits out to me and I guess to Pitchfork as well. It was originally originally sorry about that um written for judd apatow's movie this is 40 um and it wasn't used it was hard for her to write this song because she says that although long-term monogamy isn't impossible she doesn't think that it believes it fits for everyone and she never experienced long-term monogamy either. So it wasn't a type of story or type of song that she wrote, but she said, you know what? F it. This is it. Um, here it is. And she pictured cosmonauts because that's what she pictured in her, her, her head, like two people in space floating around together for eternity. Um, and I thought that that was pretty cool. Yeah. And the, the second half of that song is just, Pure, pure fucking awesomeness. Yeah. Uh, Heavy Balloons, you mentioned to me that is is about um, depression. Yes. It's, a, it's, an, it's another beautiful song. Yeah. Uh, the standout earwormy song, like I said, for me was, was for her, which the lyrics don't denote it to become a single, but I think I, 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 love, I love songs when there's like, there's like very distinct uh chord chord changes in yeah. it because it starts out boom 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 and then it gets a little boom 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 and then by the end of it it's very chill uh, like good morning like type thing <laughs> and and yeah. i i'm like even though it'll never happen i'm picturing like a music video in my head where i i don't know I, maybe Maybe I'll, I'll I'll talk about that more in the future, but uh, it's very deep. It's it's she mentions uh, you raped me in the same bed that your daughter was born in, and she's not actually talking about herself. This is the one song, like I mentioned, that I decided I wanted to find out what that meant. She's talking about a woman that she knew in the industry that uh, was harassed, and wow, the the her boss. Uh, I guess had mental issues or she she didn't get really into it, but she decided to write this song in order for this girl who couldn't tell her story to have her story, her story told um, that she like this girl said that she wasn't even sure because the guy would harass her and then forget about it like because he was on some sort of medication and then she's like you know was was did something really happen was it my fault you know it's like no it wasn't fucking your fault of course not you know that you know rape is rape um yeah wow that's incredible 
so and then it finishes off of course oh you you mentioned drum set because you 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 related to the lyrics somehow no or you you Drum set? You, you like drum set because uh, you knew what it was about. Well, I knew what every of this, oh, <laughs> all of it was about. You but, read all up about it. Uh, I want to go and talk about Fetch the Bolt Cutters because the, 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 the song. I've been in here too long. And I love it, it. It talks about like how she, her industry, who she was and what happened. And to the point where she got blacklisted to this, to where she was since her last album or bef- or probably even before that i want to say the blacklisting started with the the mtv vma speech yeah people oh, did of not like her saying that which i believe was was after title and you know the amazing music that was on the, the when the palm like fast as you can did did pretty good it should have been bigger that was a fantastic song and then none of the other singles hit and i can't really think of an actual radio single that hit that yeah. has hit since fast as you can it's been over 20 years yeah so that's that's textbook i'm sorry blacklisting if you have someone who's so critically acclaimed that can't get on the radio it's it's bullshit and it's blacklisting yeah the lyrics to fetch a bolt cutters uh describes that perfectly it says and you got them all convinced that you're the means to the end of all the VIPs, the PYTs, and the wannabes. What's PYTs mean again? Pretty Young Things. Okay. And wannabes, afraid of not being your friend. And I've always been too smart for that. But you know what? My heart was not. And I took it uh, like a kid. You see, the cool kids voted to get rid of me. And I'm ashamed of what they did to me. What I let get done. It stole my fun. It stole my fun. So hmm. I guess she's talking to like the music industry, how they convinced all, I guess, the cool yeah. pop kids in the industry and the people working for them to work against her. And then it later talks about in the song that says, wait a minute, like I can get myself out of here. So fetch the bolt cutters. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm ready to get out. In comes Cara Delevingne, who... Uh, is a close friend to Fiona and Fiona asked her to be in the song um, and Fetch the Bolt Cutters you said it was inspired by the Jillian Anderson show what was it called? Uh, the Fall which is like a Law and Order SVU type show in the UK where uh, I guess they they come to a a room where a girl is is chained in like the door the door is chained and her her character just turns and says, "Fetch the bolt cutters" or something like that. I haven't seen the clip or know exactly, but apparently that that term stuck with Fiona and um, and inspired the song and inspired the obviously the title of the album. Yeah, and uh, she specifically wanted Cara Delevingne to say "Fetch the bolt cutters" in her English accent because it sound she said it sounded like Gillian Anderson. Um, it and been cool if she tried to get Julian Anderson. Oh my god, that would be amazing. She she tweeted it. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. her scene. Yep. her scene, and a, a bunch of celebrities were were really uh, impressed. Impressed. Izzy and... Phillips was listening to it when when we were listening to it. Like, wake up and listen to this album. <laughs> it was it was eight years coming. So many of us have been looking forward to it. I'm sorry. Go back to the no. Cara Delevingne story. Yeah, no, that's it. And in that song specifically at the end, you hear uh, four dogs, which two are Fiona and her sister's Maud, I think. Yeah. And uh, Cara Delevingne's dog. I know one of them is named Alfie. Uh, <laughs> that's your brother's name. But thank you, Fiona, for not only giving us an album that we can enjoy, but our dogs can enjoy, who... Uh, um, have I think Jesse started barking to that one song. What's the other song with dog barking? Um, Jesse's like, wait, what? <laughs> I'm not sure. I love it. Uh, but I, I think it's newspaper actually. Well, well, we'll look that up and we'll get back to you. Uh, so this is um, huge for us. You Absolutely, know? yeah. Uh, fifth, the her her fifth album. Her first album came out in 1995. She's not re- obviously releasing an album every year like. Uh, like someone like Lana Del Rey or Lady Gaga, who's constantly has to stay on top of 
everything. But you was you were the one who taught her, who opened my eyes actually about giving artists the time and not to suffocate them. On like, give me an album, give me an album. These are boring and these are boring. Like there was like this rapper who took two years to uh, make an album, and the fans were completely like pissed and like like calling him out, telling him like, "Oh, you got two albums." To the point where he's like, "If y'all keep complaining, I'm gonna knock down a song (laughs) from the album." Um, And and it made me think like, wait, you know, look at this like come to us or come to me when, when they take eight plus years or seven plus years to, to make an album like this. Um, and it's, it's, it's oddly true. I, uh, I know the Dolores O'Riordan's biggest gap between albums was, uh, the Cranberries, uh, fifth album in 2001 and her first solo album in 2007. And that solo album is hands down. I think my favorite album from her, uh, Alanis Morissette, um, everything I've heard from her new album, which was also an eight-year gap, yeah, um, I'm loving and I'm falling in love with her all over again. Uh, and okay, uh, and we're, we'll get into the music news. Uh, another artist that I love, uh, Evanescence, is releasing their first album in ten years, or their first album of original music because they did release a symphonic uh, remix type remix. album a few years ago. So I'm 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 excited to hear what what everyone has to do, and I hope that the the the, the time away um, gives them uh, a lot of uh, new um, inspiration. Yeah, and us a lot of new music. Fiona Apple's new album came at such a perfect time in a world where we're living through right now with the Me Too movement and justice for every single human being no matter where you come from or where you're going um and i believe that you know you should have take a listen because i feel like in one of these songs one of these verses uh you can find something that you can relate to yes stay home listen to fiona apple's uh collection uh don't go out and protest. In a, f- <laughs> in a future episode, we want to talk about her cover songs. We want to do like a list of our favorite artists. Cover and songs, their- B-sides. Oh, like just... Oh, I thought we were going to do like uh, Fiona Apple only. Every cover? Oh, man. Well, that's going to take another while. Oh, boy. Yeah, we're, like we, we're, we're going to um, probably review... Uh, we're going to review uh, that movie. What's the name of the movie? Uh, the... The Killing of a Sacred Deer. Which That's we, coming up next. We just saw uh, is available on Netflix, so we're super excited about that. And, you know, there's some of my favorite songs by Fiona Apple are, you know, B-sides yeah. or covers yeah. um, that she's done. Um, I Scott mentioned in one of his emails, uh, Dull Tool, which it's like, I know, Scott, I know. I love that <laughs> song. Like, you know, through, through the gap as you, you know, between Idler Wheel and... Um, and uh fetch the bolt cutters like little little things that she put out like that um like kept me going you know what i mean a little antidote their friends like little fix yeah she 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 had an amazing cover uh with a, a duet with her sister called i'm in the middle of a riddle which is just harmonizing of their voices and is just gorgeous we will get into that on in a future podcast, believe me. But right now, Riz, what are the DVDs and music that are out today or out this week? Oh, yeah, yeah. This is um, one of my favorite parts. So, yay. Um, so, new uh, DVDs released or that are coming out this upcoming week Bad Boys for Life is, excuse me is going to be coming out on DVD on April 21st, as is Like a Boss, which I'm kind of interested in seeing because I love Salma Hayek. and I love her. The thing that struck me about the trailer for that was they used the word coochie in it. And I'm like, can they say that in a trailer? In a green band trailer? Is that is that an appropriate word? Uh, the Gentleman is out. The Turning, which we reviewed the trailer. And, uh, you know, we'll see eventually. Uh, new Music... Uh, coming out this week, AWOL Nation has a new album called Angels, Miners, and the Lightning Riders. Ooh, I like that. Lucinda Williams has a has a new album called Good Souls, Better Angels. And, you know, 
Whitney Rose has an album called We Still Go to Rhodes. And I've heard good, good things about Whitney Rose. Have you? I have. So in other music news, uh, yesterday... This is awesome. Uh, Zombie by the Cranberries finally hit a billion views on YouTube. Uh, wow. That's pretty huge. It's fantastic. Um, it's the sixth video that was released before the YouTube era to hit a billion. If you think about that, the okay, the other five are um, Guns N' Roses, November Rain, and Sweet Child of Mine. Bohemian Rhapsody, Take On Me by AHA. Bohemian Rhapsody is by Queen, of course. Take On Me by AHA. And Smells Like Teen Spirit by Nirvana. It is the first pre-YouTube female-led artist, female-led band or female artist to reach a billion. And that is insane to me. If you think of Madonna... You know what I mean? Yeah. Madonna. Or Alanis Morissette. uh, Janet Jackson, like you said. It's... I find that mind-boggling that 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 song has stood the test of time. And I'm proud. I know that Dolores is looking down um, and and somewhere she's looking down proud, you know? It's also the very first Irish band to hit a billion... Uh, and that's including that's including post YouTube. So, uh, Hosier, no, no, Hosier's Irish. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm talking Irish bands. Snow Patrol, uh, and of course, uh, pre and nothing by U2, which is insane. What about Sinead O'Connor? No. 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 But she's Irish too, right? Of course. Yeah. Okay, I wasn't sure. Yeah, I thought she was. Um, oh what? no, she is Irish as the day she was born. Um, <laughs> and I am I'm thrilled about this. Uh, I mentioned smells like Teen Spirit. Uh, that the director Samuel Bayer is actually of of smells like Teen Spirit is actually the director of Zombie. No kidding. Um, how cool. And I I was listening to an interview. Um, they were, and it, obviously I listened to it after, but they were interviewing the drummer Fergal Lawler, uh, on, on an Irish radio station. And the, you know, it was about how the album or the, how zombie was about to hit a billion views on YouTube. And as they were interviewing him, it went over a billion and you, you could hear it in his voice. He, he was kind of getting a little emotional, you know, cause that is yeah. huge. Yeah. That was sweet. Um, I think it's just, it, it boggles my mind just to think that there's no other female. Then the next one coming up is, uh, oh shoot. What's the name of that song? So yeah, the next, uh, female artist that's coming up to it, uh, is Four Non Blondes with, uh, their song, of course, What's Up with 826 million. Um, it's actually what's going on. No, what's going on is thirty six million. What's up? Oh, what's oh that that song? Oops, sorry. <laughs> sorry, uh, it's huge. I mean, I'm I'm I I'm like I was doing searches. I'm like not even Rhythm Nation by Janet Jackson, like a hundred million. Not even Vogue by Madonna, a hundred and fifteen million. No, nothing by Alanis Morissette. Nothing breaks two hundred million. Uh, and Christi- even talk talk about the the ones that are after youtube oh yeah uh there aren't a lot like just after youtube that have hit a billion um oh like what christina aguilera what she's 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 not even 200 million genie in the bottle her first one yeah and her well that was on the press that was right before i want to say youtube started around 2000 2001 oh okay and that was late 90s okay but um and again it is just a huge song. Um, I've said said in the past, like the people loving zombie movies and zombie TV, TV shows, that's how they get introduced to it because people will go on to YouTube and do music videos with 
like zombie yeah. in the yeah. background. Yeah. Or Resident Evil was is another one that I've seen many times of, of, of people editing music videos together with zombie. Um and that's a way to introduce the song and the the god awful uh remake or um cover from last year that they they rushed to release the week that she died. Yes. Who I won't even world. mention their names. Oops, almost said it. But Good. Uh, recently, uh, Eminem used uh, her sample for his song in one of his albums. And that was that actually came out uh, the January right before she passed away. Yeah. Um, and that was really cool. That I I really like that song. I'm not I'm not a crazy fan of Eminem. I I understand that he's a fantastic artist and very talented. I just you know, I'm sorry, Eminem. I know you support us, but you just keep using the F word every time. And I'm not talking about fuck. You know what I mean? Every album comes out and there's a backlash and he's like, but I'm a supporter. And Elton John's my best friend. It's like, okay, okay, okay. But then he does it again. Yeah. And like, you can edit your shit, you know? You don't have to use that word. Yeah. And he... He's he is a supporter, you know. There's nothing about it, and he uses it as a dehumanizing to other straight people. He isn't saying it like, but he has to understand that that to us that word. It's like you're teaching heterosexual people like relating that being gay or being the f word is, is effeminate, is girly, is, is demeaning, it's not manly, you know. But we are way off topic. It's, that's I'm so sorry. But his 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 song in your head that samples zombie. It basically plays the entire song. is is gorgeous. And I don't think I would listen to it if it had that word in it. And yeah. it, it, I, I I I recommend it. I do not recommend that god awful cover from last year. Go ahead. Before we uh, continue and conclude this episode, if you guys want us to like review a specific artist's album, their catalog, completely go through it, and you want us to uh, to actually talk about what we think about the album, let us know. We're very open to to doing this. We had a blast talking about Fiona Apple and and really getting to know her uh, through her songs and her lyrics. Do you want to play Six Degrees of Separation? Hell yeah, I do. So before we begin this week's Six Degrees of Separation, we want to tell you guys that we... uh, I give Riz a heads up on what the two actors are. Today. Today. We're going to start doing that because, uh, you know... Listening to me think isn't exactly interesting. Listen, you're worthy. You know? Yeah, like because uh, I try to like make it interesting while I'm thinking. Oh, this person was. Uh, oh, this person was also in this, which was a great. And it's it, so I have a little time to think about it, um, but I don't look up look anything up on my phone. Um, and he's my witness. Yep. Uh, so I'm gonna give you Olivia Munn and. Emma Watson. Okay. And not a lot of dead air because I already figured this shit out. Olivia Munn was on uh, the awesome show Chuck, uh, early 2000s show Chuck with Yvonne Strovanovsky, who is amazing and, or she's an amazing actress. I hate her character, but she's fucking amazing in The Handmaid's Tale. With, of course, Joseph Fiennes, who played Voldemort in Harry Potter with Emma Watson. Pretty solid. Bam. And our fact of the week is Neil Armstrong, astronaut of the Apollo 9 mission, has a Hollywood moon walk of fame and not a star. Huh. I love it. Yeah. And that's the fact of the week, and you can do whatever you want with it, because it's not mine. It belongs to the Hollywood taxpayers who pay for that. $30,000 for a fucking Hollywood walk of sign, or whatever. But, it's okay. Thank you, guys. We don't live in Hollywood. It doesn't matter. (laughs) We don't pay those taxes. Well, actually, I think the money goes to Hollywood. Because the the actor... Okay, so it's it's not... It wouldn't be the actual taxpayers. Yeah. Okay, never mind. Thank you guys for continuing to listen to our wonderful, quirky podcast. We have come to the conclusion of this week's episode. We hope you enjoyed it as much as we did making it. And we 
love continuing to making these shows for you. I really enjoyed it. It's been a very interesting week. You know, new new album from Fiona, a new song from Florence, which we didn't mention. We'll mention that in the future. Uh, the Cranberries reaching a billion. Um, it almost makes this quarantine bearable. Um, Keyword almost. Almost. It's necessary, <laughs> but it's not very bearable. And uh, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast wherever podcasts are being listened to. And follow us on Instagram at PressPlayAR. This has been another episode of Press Play with Augie and Riz. I'm Augie. Hey, and I'm Riz. Thanks, Thanks for, for listening. listening.